can validate an idea pretty quickly on Google Trends, and we'll show you aggregated search data to see how popular the idea was. Welcome to Honest Ecommerce, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and I believe running a direct-to-consumer brand does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. On this podcast, we interview founders and experts who are putting in the work and creating real results. I also share my own insights from running our top Shopify consultancy, Electric Eye. We cut the fluff in favor of facts to help you grow your e-commerce business. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honest Ecommerce. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And today, welcoming to the show all the way from sunny Santa Monica, California, Steve Odell from Tenzo Matcha. How are you doing today? What's going on, Chase? I'm doing really well. I'm excited to chat with um, an e-commerce expert. Uh, well, let's see if I can hold it up. Uh, you were saying just a second ago, you know, you, you are visualizing the whole P&L. You see kind of all parts of the business as a CEO. So we'll see where the conversation takes us. Yeah, no, it's going to be a fun one. I'm excited. Absolutely. Cool. Uh, so for those that are unfamiliar, Tenzo Matcha is uh, a direct-to-consumer brand selling matcha tea, obviously. Uh, it's kind of in the name there. Uh, but So take me back to, I guess, uh, starting the business. Uh, and you were, you were at UCL when you started the business? Or was that right around when you were dropping out? Not to yeah. spoil it for those that are just... Yeah. No, I was, I was at UCLA and you know, I had um, really gotten into entrepreneurship in college and started, you know, helped out with a few D2C companies that you know, some of my buddies were running, dropshipping things and such like that. And um, no, it's really simple beginning. One day I drank like five cups of coffee and I felt like crap. Um, you know, got like super jittery and anxious, was having trouble eating, you know, the whole nine yards. And um, yeah, I just Googled what's the healthiest form of energy on the planet. And the Google result was matcha. And, you know, it's powder, it's light, it was easy to ship, it's consumable. So you got subscription, you know, and the Google Trends graph. It's a, a great tip for anyone looking to start is you can validate an idea pretty quickly on Google Trends. And we'll show you aggregated search data to see how popular the idea was. And matcha was like, you know, the graph's like, like sky high up into the right. And I was like, oh man, you know, and there wasn't any competition. So, yeah, then that that's kind of the the starting point. I mean, we're not even two minutes in, and you've already dropped a serious, serious golden nugget there. If we're gonna use that term, uh, Google Trends is is super cool. But also, uh, you you kind of highlighted something there is that you were helping other people in the industry, friends. Uh, did you have any clients? Like, were you learning e-commerce before you started the brand? Yeah, yeah. And so one of my best friends in college, great entrepreneur named Alejandro Rioja, had started a company that was drop shipping portable phone chargers from China um, and selling them online. So I got to see like how the website worked. I learned about Shopify, you know, and then um, learned a, a decent bit of HTML and CSS, you know, so I knew how to, you know, edit a website, let's say. And um but yeah, then that was that was pretty much it. And I was like, you know, if if he can make six figures as a senior in college a month, it's like, you know, I know what it takes, and I can start my own company too. So, absolutely. So, what uh, from you know that that lucky day of drinking too much coffee to getting the store up and running, you know, what what did that window look like? Uh, honestly, you know, so we're built on Shopify. The ecosystem there is super great, as you know. Um, the website started out as like a weekend project, you know, it was like me and my, uh, co-founder, Robbie, one of my best friends, shout out to Rob. Um, you know, we, I guess the first step was like, where do you get the product? So 
one uh, mistake we made really early on, like we were super poor. Like I literally dropped out of college, no money, you know? <clears throat> so we got the Shopify subscription first, like right away on that first week. And we're like, oh, we need the Shopify subscription. But then like, you know, a day later, we're like, all right, well, where do we get the mantra? You know, and so he Googled like how to find mantra suppliers. And um, we emailed a hundred people. And um, like one of us, one person got back to us. And then, you know, like four months later, we'd already spent like $200 on the Shopify subscription. And then um, we finally got the mantra in and then um, launched on a, a terrible website. You know, we had designed it ourselves, made some theme edits, um, but designed all the packaging, all the logos. Um, and the gist was that when we first started, we were like really unskilled, you know, and I come from an athletic background and for us, this is like a long-term play. And so instead of just outsourcing it, um, we decided to do like literally every single thing in house, um, like building the inventory systems, building the website and design, um, everything. We didn't even have an accountant when we first started, you know, our QuickBooks was all messed up. Um, but yeah, that's how, that's kind of how we got going. So uh, <laughs> I, I I love that you started the <laughs> website before you even had a product to sell. Well, yeah. I guess you had a product, but you just didn't actually have it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm so sourcing suppliers. You'd say is probably something you should do before you activate your Shopify subscription. Yep. Yeah. No. I mean, no brainer. That seems like such an obvious thing, but you know, there's like a whole checklist of things that you really need to run through before you can you know open the store. Um, or even before you want to start spending money, especially if you're like literally just getting started, it's like, you know, make sure you're conserving cash as much as possible. Cause you're going to want to put that into marketing and, you know, other things to grow revenue later on. But, um, no, we got really lucky. This one guy in Arizona emailed us back and he's like, you know, I can help you out. Like I'll design all the labels. I have the matcha and he's just a distributor. And eventually we have different suppliers now, but it was, um, yeah, this guy did private label matcha, sold us a hundred units. We bought, um, like six different SKUs and, um, we now have one, by the way, you know, simplicity is a great, a great power and income, um, especially when you're getting started. But yeah, we bought those and then we sold them, got a lot of feedback, edited the packaging. And then, you know, we bought 200 units and then we sold those. And um, we kind of scaled up to like, you know, maybe a thousand units at a time with this guy. And then we had enough money. We went to Japan and we met with a bunch of Japanese manufacturers. So now we're going direct to source, no intermediary in the U.S. What year was this? Let's talk timelines because I, I forgot to bring that up earlier. So how old's the brand? When did you kind of... When did you activate the subscription prematurely and to, to when now you're going and, and directly talking to these suppliers? For the timeline is, you know, it was late in 2016. I had just dropped out maybe April or May-ish. Um, we started the Shopify store, you know, weekend project in quotes. And um, yeah, and then we went to the 100 units. And then, you know, we really launched in, you know, early 2017. Um, and, um, but we didn't get to Japan, you know, so that, that timeline of like selling 100 units, selling 200 units, 500, 1,000, you know, like anyone who's opened their first Shopify store knows like it's not, you know, unless you're a serial entrepreneur or well-funded, it's not this magic, you know, oh, I made $10,000 on my first day, you know, so we had to, you know, learn the ropes and that took another six months or I guess five months. We went to Japan in May of 2017. And then from there, you know, we found like legit suppliers, you know, cut out the middlemen, you know, cost of goods went way down, margin goes way up. Um, 
and the ops get a lot more complex. That's the, the caveat there. But yeah, we started importing directly from Japan. Since 2004, Avalara's vision has been to harness the power of cloud technology to help simplify sales tax for businesses of all sizes. Avalara solutions are designed to affordably scale with businesses as they grow over time. Tax compliance is not a revenue generating activity, so Avalara's technology is designed to help you manage tax compliance as efficiently and accurately as possible, so you can reclaim your valuable time and reduce risk in your business. With more than 1,000 signed partner integrations, Avalara likely integrates with the ERP, e-commerce, mobile payment, and point-of-sale systems you use today. Find out how your business can be sales tax ready at avalara.com slash honest. That's A-V-A-L-A-R-A dot com slash H-O-N-E-S-T. Avalara, tax compliance done right. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, maybe Electric Eye can help. Our team has helped our clients generate millions of dollars in additional revenue through our unique brand scaling framework. You can learn more about our agency at electriceye.io. That's E-L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Y-E dot I-O. Awesome. So let's talk about uh, what you kind of just hinted at there with you know selling your first 100, then your first 200, then 500, then 1,000. How were you finding initial success uh, three years ago? And then a follow-up question immediately to that is, do you think that same, that same plan would work now? Actually, yeah. I mean, ours was really grassroots, you know? And again, like, I think it's, it's really about understanding like where you're at personally and the company and the market's at. And Macho was, it was, and still is, you know, pretty small. Um, I mean, and I'm talking relative to coffee or energy drinks, which I consider like our category competitors. You know, but we talked to friends and family, you know, we, we didn't have money. So like we couldn't spend a lot on ads in the beginning. So, you know, I was like researching related blog posts, commenting on them, answering Quora questions, you know, posting on LinkedIn, like all this kind of like hackery stuff. I, yeah, I love it that the non-scalable way to get your first hundred customers is like just such a SaaS like growth hacking tactic. It's like, these are things you can't automate or scale really, but you got to do them at first. Yep. Yeah, exactly. You know, and Paul Graham from YC has like that good analogy, you know, do things that don't scale. And so, you know, we try to take that to heart maybe too much, um, but it, it worked out okay. And have um, you, have you listened to that Y Combinator podcast course thing? I haven't. No. Recommended. It, dude, it's like how to start a startup and it's like Y Combinator and it's like a series of lectures. I'm like halfway through it right now. It is fantastic. All right. I'm noting that down. Post this call. I'm going to jump on it. Yeah. But it, that comes up. Do things that don't scale is like the first or second. It's like in the first or second conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, another really good one on that kind of same note is like we were really close to the customers and we still try to be that way. And you know, like what I mean in the beginning is like, you know, everything related to DOC, like our website experience, like post-purchase email flows, you know, the messaging is generally messaging. It's like none of that was really nailed. And, you know, it took a lot of one-on-one -on -one conversations with people. So, you know, we would literally email them like Rob arrive as the founders and be like, Hey, like, can you jump on the phone for 20 minutes? Like, we'd love to know like what you think and you know, how we can make this better and, you know, why you, you bought our product in the first place. And, you know, that was a really formative exercise and um, something I still do today. Like I, I try to hop on Zoom calls with customers like once or twice a week and I have a little spreadsheet and we record all the answers and all that. And 
But yeah, I mean, if you want to learn and, you know, iterate quickly, which is especially important in the beginning um, to survive, you know, it's like go to the customers, hear them out and um, take what take their feedback and improve. Um, and then they'll recognize it. It builds trust. Like all these things come through with that. Yeah, I, it's the, the non-scalable stuff actually talking to customers i feel like every episode of this podcast is uh, there's some form of talk to your customers comes up and it's people just don't realize it's that simple like just go and ask them like what they think about your products and why they did or didn't buy and the insights are just truly insane they're like oh well we didn't buy because the the website's broken and you're like what (laughs) yeah yeah exactly our checkout button doesn't work (laughs) yeah Our partner, Rewind, can protect your Shopify store with automated backups of your most important data. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, or collaborators gone bad. It's like having your very own magic undo button. Trusted by over 80,000 businesses, from side hustles to the biggest online retailers like Gymshark, Gatorade, and Movement Watches. Best of all, merchants like you can get one month of automated Shopify backups for free by visiting rewind.io slash honest. That's R-E-W-I-N-D dot I-O slash H-O-N-E-S-T. So when, uh, I guess this is a new question that I've been trying to ask. Is like, when did things kind of change? And you're like, oh, this is a, this is a real business now. Like what, what was like the kind of like the moment when you're like, well, I think this thing's working. Like we've made it per se. Like you're like, this is a real business. I, I would say not until like the last few months. I mean, you know, jumping ahead in the timeline, like we've, you know, tripled revenue every year, you know, or a little bit more. And um, it's been a really good run. But like the first year, like I said, we were so inexperienced, like we didn't know what the heck was going on. So another like huge mistake that we made, you know, which I would never recommend any other founder, especially right now, is we got an office in Santa Monica, on the second floor of a building with no elevator that we were shipping our own orders out. So like, I like, you know, we're growing e-com and at this point we started selling into cafes as well. And um, that's a big part of our business too. And, you know, we were getting pallets of boxes in the middle of a busy Santa Monica street and the truck would stop in the middle of the road, unload a pallet, and they, you know, it'd be like this huge nightmare and I would get like our whole team down there and we're all just like carrying boxes upstairs. You know, it was a nightmare. It cost us so much money and, you know, just a big learning experience. And so we were stuck in that office for like two years. So that was, you know, a really, really poor decision. But, you know, we learned a lot about optimizing and, you know, eventually moved to a 3PL and that was like, I mean, the best thing that ever happened. I can I can just see you guys frantically sprinting to unload your trucks and get them inside. And all these cars are just honking. Everyone's like super annoyed with us, dude. It was not a good experience. Oh, that's that's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. So moving moving to a 3PL, um, that's a that's a really fun little topic there. So when uh, in your opinion, when do you think a brand is ready for 3PL? When should they stop doing self-fulfillment? Uh, you know, is it a number of revenue per month? Is it numbers of orders shipped? You know, when did it make sense for you? Yeah, I think it's um, fundamentally a, a cost analysis. And there's this good um, expression I like to follow now is, is not just winging it. 
Um, and I, I just call it like doing the math. It's really simple. And um, you get a lot better at it over time, but just modeling it out. And so I don't think it's necessarily a revenue number. I think it's more about, you know, orders per month. And then, you know, what's the cost in the 3PL and how much time are you going to save? And another good kind of lesson for people that are just starting, I mean, like just starting like shipping out of your house type thing. You know, you need to, you don't want to do it too early because it can get really expensive and you might not need it. So there's this other expression like bursting at the seams. And so I have like videos of our old apartment, you know, with me in my bedroom and there's like tea like stacked up like everywhere. Like even in like the open space in the middle of the room, there's like a column that just goes up to the ceiling. And I have like one square foot where I can like weasel my way into the closet to like grab my clothes, but like otherwise it's just pure tea. So, you know, if you're, and if you look at videos of like other successful companies, like the Gymshark founder has a lot of good videos of him in his house and it's just surrounded by packages. So it's like, you can kind of feel it. Um, if you just look around and there's, there's, you know, packaging materials, there's U-line boxes coming every single day. And then it's like, get the, get the heck out of there, but don't get an office. Businesses are the most successful when they own their own data, customer relationships, and their growth. That's why more than 50,000 e-commerce brands, big and small, trust Klaviyo to deliver their ideal customer experience. Klaviyo is the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for online brands of all kinds and all sizes. With email automation, SMS marketing, list growth tools, and more, you'll get everything you need to build strong relationships that keep your customers coming back. If you're tired of relying too heavily on paid advertising or third-party marketplaces for your sales success, you're not alone. It's time to take back control of the customer experience. More and more online businesses are moving to Klaviyo to grow higher value customer relationships through personalized email and SMS marketing. And the results are staggering. Ready to drive future sales and higher customer lifetime value with a marketing platform built for your long-term growth? You should get a free trial of Klaviyo over at klaviyo.com slash honest. That's K-L-A viyo.com slash h-o-n-e-s-t with doing the math uh where does your time factor into those equations um i mean that's a big one you know that's obviously that's a really challenging one um but you know naval is a pretty common uh philosopher modern philosopher these days and he has a good and he's also the ceo of angelist you know really successful angel investor he's got this you know philosophy that like Founders should put their hourly costs at like five hundred to a thousand dollars an hour, and if you can afford it, and if, if you're doing anything that's cheaper than that value, then you need to delegate it or just drop it entirely. And um, you know, so I try to live by that. It doesn't always work out perfectly, um, but there's some you know, stuff that you just love doing. Yeah, exactly. But and then that's that's the battle is like, you know, to really grow the company, like you just need to let go. And, um, you know, the, I've been trying to really focus on doing that thing a, a lot more now and like letting go control of the brand. And we have a full time brand manager now. And, you know, I just defer. I'm not trying to, you know, weasel my way into packaging decisions anymore or really specific design. Edits. It's just like let her handle it and trust the process. Yeah, it's so uh it's so hard to like see stuff happening where you just kind of like understand like, Oh, what's going on here? This is cool. But then like also not your weight, like as like, I'm like one of the founders of our agency. So like I forget sometimes like what I say is like gold and it's like super important, but like I might just like swing by and say something like 
kind of off the cuff and then it changes the whole conversation on accident it's like so hard to remember that you got to like let things happen and like be very cautious about what you're bringing to the conversations when they already have a game plan in place yeah no i I cannot agree more man that's it's i have to catch myself doing that too um and it, it is really difficult but sometimes it's just better to hold your tongue and you know not say anything and just let the conversation go and develop and you know trust that your people are going to get it done and you know and have checks and balances in place too and you know quality checks at different points but you know when you're having meetings like you just can't like derail things it's just like that's a nightmare and you know i think that's part of you know becoming a better leader and growing as a as an entrepreneur and founder though so i'm hopeful that i will get better at it over time i think uh i think no one starts a a business of any sort service or, or product or what have you and uh, goes into it with the expectation of I'm going to be the best leader ever. It's more like that entrepreneurial burn is like what what drives you to do it, and then yeah. you're like, oh wait, the hard stuff is like all this leadership and this like management stuff. Like that's the hard stuff. The rest of this I didn't realize was like you just got to work at it, and you're going to figure most of it out. Yeah, exactly. At this point, you know that's a big. That's like where I'm at right now. It's like. You know, we have a bunch of team members and, you know, so many agencies that we're working with. And, you know, most of my day now is just like, you know, approving things and meeting with people and making sure that, you know, everything's moving forward. But like 50% of it is like, you know, getting everyone motivated and hyped to come to work in the morning and they want to show up and, you know, perform their best. Um, so I've been, I've been really trying to focus on, you know, getting the team to operate at their best level every single day. And, um, you know, just really staying out of their way, you know, as much as possible. Yeah. Enabling them to do the best work and, you know, however you can do that, you know, giving them the resources to do that best work. And it's, uh, sounds easy, but it's super hard. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And again, like you just catch yourself, like, you know, you know, part of my French, but like shooting the shit and it's like, you know, at some point you just can't do that. You know, there's gotta be this employer you know, employee relationship. And it's not like you're a mean That's person, true. But... but it's the stuff that you find in those conversations are, are just super, super important. You know, I, I recall a conversation I had about two weeks ago with our lead developer. And he just said something kind of like off the cuffs during the conversation. And I was like, well, that's, that's wrong. And that shouldn't be happening. And it like, un, it, it like made us figure out where the process was broken and how to make things better, got everyone more aligned, and, you know, it fixed things. So you know, I, you know, that's, that's one thing that I kind of miss about having uh, an office for the, cause that stuff would just happen like way more organically. But now with everything remote, it's a little bit yeah. more difficult to do that. We have one-on-ones every week with every team member. Uh, but it's, you know, as the team scales, it's a little bit more difficult to do that. Yeah. And that, that's another challenge. I think everyone's facing right now too. It's like, you know, how do you deal with a fully remote team? And, um, you know, like you can't have those like water cooler conversations like you just mentioned, you know, where things just pop out and you really have to put in the time and effort to one, keep the team in sync and then also, you know, make time to figure out those problems and see like, you know, what are you really dealing with today? And like, what's hard and what do you think might be going wrong? And, you know, asking those questions in a, in a way that is motivating and inspiring though. Hey everybody, do you want to win back valuable lost time for your support team? Gorgeous has machine learning functionality that takes the pressure off small support teams and gives them the tools to manage a large number of inquiries at scale, especially during the holiday season. 
Gorgeous combines all your different communication channels like email, SMS, social media, live chat, and even phone into one platform and gives you an organized view of all of your customer inquiries. Their powerful functionality can save your support team hours per day and makes managing customer orders a breeze. They have allowed online merchants to close tickets faster than ever with the help of pre-written responses integrated with customer data to increase the overall efficiency of customer support. Their built-in automations also free up time for support agents to give better answers to complex product-related questions, providing next-level support, which helps increase sales, brand loyalty, and recognition. Eric Brandholtz, the founder of Beard Brand, says, We're a seven-figure business, and we have essentially one person on customer support and experience. It's impossible to do it without tools like Gorgeous to help us innovate. Learn how to level up your customer support by speaking to their team here. Visit gorgeous.grsm.io slash honest. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S dot G-R-S-M dot I-O slash H-O-N-E-S-T. Yeah, we follow the traction model. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that book. Um, that's kind of how we run the business as the operations. But then we also threw in like the guys from Basecamp. Like the, it doesn't have to be crazy at work mentality. So we've stripped it of like all the meaningless meetings. So like we have two major meetings a week. We set up for stuff that can't be hammered out in like some asynchronous conversation through Basecamp is what we use. But it could be like Asana or whatever project management software is. Uh, and then we have one on ones that are more about like you know how are things, any big issues, how are you working yeah. towards your goals, and you know it's. Definitely takes buy-in from the team culturally to be able to kind of work in an independent environment, but you know it's just it goes down to hiring. You got to hire people that are that are going to fit what you guys are looking to do. The best people possible, yeah. No, that's true. I mean, we do one-on-ones too, and our kind of management philosophy is like we do Gantt, Gantt charts and OKRs, and so we all, we just track annually towards you know, revenue goals is primary metric. And then we have all these secondary metrics like churn, LTV, you know, CPA, all that stuff. Awesome. Hey, that was a great little tangent down a rabbit hole about management and just the difficulties of growing a team. But let's get back to what I know people love nowadays. So you guys are doing great. Uh, you kind of mentioned that, you know, recently it's felt like, oh, this is this is a business now. This thing's really doing it. Yeah. Uh, so what is what's going on now? How... How has like your marketing landscape shifted? Where where are you guys spending a lot of your time? How are you driving revenue? Yeah, good question. So, I mean, um, overall, like to give like one more quick background point. Tenzo has three main channels. You know, they're all you know well beyond seven figures at this point. And one is our bulk business. So, like we make matcha products with other CPG companies. You know, so we're in Costco nationwide, Whole Foods nationwide, all these things with other brands, and then. You know, the third, the second one is the cafe business. And <clears throat> that one like grew like wildfire when we first started. Um, Can I, I just want to interrupt you here. So it yeah. sounds like you have two, two different wholesale esque channels. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's uh, quite complicated actually. You know, it's, it's, it's weird. Cause like we're only selling one product, but yeah, bulk is like, you know, big companies, you know, truckloads, you know, we're filling up an entire plane or, you know, multiple, you know, I guess, um, pallets on boats, like what have you. And then now is that, is that your product or is that white labeled product or partnered product? Yeah. So 
it, it's different depending on the deal. So some of the, the largest deals, they don't want to do it um, where it shows as Tenzo on the label at all. So we're just selling the, the product as an ingredient and then they manufacture it. Um, other ones, we also have branded products as well. So it's kind of, it really depends on the other company. And then for the cafe business, that's pretty much all branded products. You know, we have point of purchase signs that are in all the cafes and all that stuff. And hopefully the pandemic, you know, wanes down here and then um, we'll be back to business there quite a bit. But yeah, and then the third channel is, is D2C. So started out, you know, not doing subscription also a bad decision. So, you know, if you have a consumable product that people are going to go through on a certain time, um, time span, then it's like, get them on subscription ASAP. Um, and, um, you know, one of the reasons we didn't do it is because we had really, really terrible data. Um, and we didn't understand what the LTV was. We didn't understand how to map, um, like repurchase rate into LTV with one-time purchases. And it caused us to go through like this, really weird, like slowly climbing, but also like up and down, up and down, up and down as we like, you know, spent more on marketing and then pulled back because we were nervous about LTV and spent more and that kind of back and forth. But yeah, I mean, I guess one of the biggest learnings that we've had with e-com is like getting really good at data. Um, that has been like, you know, cornerstone kind of lessons. And once you're comfortable with payback periods, LTV and CPA, then it's like, you just can't spend enough money. Um, and that's, that's where we're at right now. Like we're just spending every single dollar possible into um, paid right now. So uh, the math is, again comes back, e-commerce comes down to the math. You know, the, the super simple concept to understand is like, you know, if you know your average order value, your traffic and your conversion rate, you can pretty much guess what you're gonna make in any given month. Yep. And then from there, you can kind of reverse engineer what you can pay to acquire more traffic and all that stuff. Uh, but the wild card in that whole scenario is like, what can I afford beyond that with LTV? And that, unfortunately, there is no one size fits all equation, I don't think. I think it, it truly depends on the type of brand. Because if I'm selling a $500 luxury product that should be like a buy for life, like a really, really nice leather jacket, that's something completely different than a tea like you have that is, I'm going to run out of that, you know, once a month. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we call that day zero profitability versus like a six month payback, you know, and as the company's matured, we've been able to like one, get more data. So like, as you grow, there's this natural, you know, compounding effect of more data equals better understanding of the data equals more efficient spending. You know, and so we've been able to extend the payback period quite a bit now. So we can that therefore bid at much higher CPAs, which allow us to grow faster. Um, yeah. And so, I mean, like, dude, that is, that is the golden secret right there. What, all right. So I'm going to ask a question that you have, you, I've asked a lot of questions in this episode that I knew you already knew the answer to. And by the way, this is the first time me and Steve have ever met or talked, but once you're in this game for long enough, the, the secrets are all the same. Yep. Um, what are your lead times with your like wholesale orders for, like, what you know? Do you guys have a float with kind of how the money works? Oh my god, this is this is a nightmare. Okay, so you know it depends a lot on um, the size of the deal. You know, are you buying ten thousand pounds or are you buying two pounds? And um, for the cafes, the lead time is very short. We have several distributors we work with that can ship. Uh, they ship like, you know, day of and they'll get it there in three to five days or faster. And then 
but for the really large bulk deals, yeah, the payment cycles are totally brutal and um, they eat up a ton of cash, you know, and that it can be anywhere from four weeks to eight weeks. You know, if the order is a million dollars then it might take a little bit longer because um, we want to put that on a boat, you know, like that's another big tip. It's like when you're really small, you typically can't buy things um, that in large enough volumes to put them on boats and containers and you have to air freight them. Um, yeah, so, you know, you're going to save a lot of money. Like there's some really good margin expansion once you get into to boat shipping. But yeah, for the really big orders, we, we got to put them all on boats. And um, yeah, I mean, payment terms are like, it could be anywhere from we need to pay 90 days ahead of time or 60 days ahead of time. And we get to the customer 60 days later. And then the payment terms with them, you know, for the really big deals are typically 60 to 90 more days. So the cash cycle is like, can, any, can be anywhere from like 120 to 180 days to turn around that cash. Yeah. And so essentially what, what uh, Steve and I are talking about here to bring it back down to earth for people that when, if this is like a 300 level conversation, I'd say is once you hit a certain point, it's all about how you manage your cash flow because once you purchase a product, it is essentially just money sitting there and you need to yep. stop using more expensive forms of money, i.e. credit. So you have to find vendors that will allow you better terms and you have to be a little bit more strict with your wholesale purchases to be less friendly terms uh, to try to speed up how fast you're getting paid back. Because the quicker you can move that money in and out, the faster you can go. You can grow. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, that's like one of the, the most important, you know, concepts of our whole company right now. And it, it literally, it's so much so that it'll dictate the valuation that Tenzo will get. You know, if Ecom can turn the cash 12 times in a year or something, you know, so your payment terms are structured as you buy the tea, but you're not paying for it for 60 days. You're buying 60 days worth of product at a time. And you're going through all that inventory before you even need to pay for it. It's like you know, that that's, you know, that's how it's done. But the bulk business is, you know, we've negotiated so many times at this point. It's just like they're whittled down and, you know, we have as, as best of terms as possible, but yeah, you know, e-com will justify a, a much higher valuation on revenue than the bulk channel would. Now, uh, that's a whole other conversation and I'll, I'm going to have to ask you that offline because I don't want to ask you something you can't answer. Uh, but I do want to say now with the direct-to-consumer channel, you've obviously got the Shopify store. Are you also doing uh, through third-party marketplaces like Amazon or eBay or Walmart or anything like that? No, not yet. <clears throat> um... Yeah, I mean, we're not, I, I, I'm trying to delay that as long as humanly possible. Um, yeah, and really, it's just about focus. And I don't know if we need to go. And I don't think we actually can. Um, like our, our DUC business is, is literally like popping off right now. And part of that, I think, is from the pandemic. But, you know, we, we did like 10x DUC growth last year, you know, from the year prior. So that was just that's that's hard i mean all around cash revenue supply chain breaking down um you know, we had, yeah there's a lot of issues man you know so if we can do that i think we should be able to do like five to eight x growth this year again on top of that and um yeah that's about as much as we can like handle as a company right now sometimes uh it hits a point where you have to focus and if you start trying to do too many things at once you're going to hurt the business yeah, exactly. So, yeah, and that's another thing. It's like in the beginning, we had five SKUs and we tried to do all these things. We tried to sell them to corporate offices and 
just a bunch of weird stuff, like even like military organizations, like basically like anywhere that you could buy matcha, like we would try to sell there. And um, yeah, that was just a, a poor decision. And we had a conversation, you know, maybe a year ago now with, excuse me, a guy at VMG, you know, he's like a very, very famous investor. And um, he was just like really articulating the importance of, you know, the right sales versus sales. And like, that's a, you know, I say that it's pretty abstract and it's difficult for like a, a first time founder to understand, but like, it's really, really important to like, you know, know what you're doing and know the margins and all that stuff. And, you know, make sure you're not wasting a lot of time doing things that are, you know, totally in left field. Yeah, just the human the human capital requirement to make uh, any wholesale deal or bulk deal, as you as you put it over there, is the same regardless of it if it's the right or wrong deal. And there is only a finite amount of time in a day. Uh, and I can I could I agree so much. It's it's got to be the right sale. Yep. Yeah, and on the ecom side, that's like, you know, it's basically comes down to am I acquiring this customer profitably? You know, is it is it profitably on day zero, like you mentioned, or is it profitable in six months? You know, either way, you better hope it's profitable or you're going to end up like Casper or, you know, one of these big D2C companies that when they go public or, you know, they have a, a later round and all the financials become public, it's like they're going to get butchered, you know, and the value you're going to have a down round and, you know, unfortunate things can happen. Absolutely. Steve, this was a fantastic conversation. Uh, it was really fun exploring all this stuff with you. Is there anything I forgot to ask you about that you think is worth sharing today? No, I mean, if anyone wants to buy Tenzo, you know, it's, um, it's a great product and um, it's a good um, supplement, you know, or switch from coffee or energy drinks. You got a little bit of caffeine, but um, also L-theanine. So you feel like a calm, focused energy. So check out TenzoT.co. Got to do a shameless plug, right? Oh, absolutely. I'll put, I'll put a link to the uh, description in the show notes. I believe you even were nice enough to put a discount code in there too. So I'll make sure that's in there as well. Yep. Uh, Steve, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, Chase, it's a pleasure. We'd love to connect more offline with you too. See how we can collab. All right. I can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge and journey with us. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our own business. You can find all the links in the show notes. Make sure you head over to honestecommerce.co to check out all of the other amazing content that we have. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review. And obviously, if you're thinking about growing your business, check out our agency at electriceye.io. Until next time.